Hello and welcome to another episode of Film Freaks with a Z, the podcast all about movies. Each episode is about a particular movie, and we'll introduce that one in a little bit. But first, I need to invite you, yes you, the listener, to join in on our fan vote that happens during Tay's episode. So next episode, the fan vote will happen, but we're always looking for more fan recommendations. So if you want to comment on the latest episode of Film Freaks with a Z on YouTube, join my Discord, the Ferret Nation Discord, and suggest a movie in the movie stuff section. Or you can send us an email at ff.filmfreakswithaz at the end at gmail.com. Those are all different ways that you can get your movie onto the list. Uh, new movies take priority over older ones, so if you get your movie in now, uh, guess what? It'll be on the next episode, possibly, probably. Um, but yeah, make sure you do all that. We'd love to have more recommendations. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, before we introduce the movie, let's go ahead and introduce ourselves. I am Fantastic Mr. Ferret, and I'm here with Badger Waffles. Cousin Tay. And I'm and... Topo Sponson Bean. Tay messed up. It's on Tay. It's on Tay. It is. Tay was supposed fault. to introduce. I was just about to. I, I there was a long pause there. There was a long pause there. There was a long pause because I forgot for a split second. Then I was like, "Oh yeah, what do I say? What do I say?" It's, it's like Mister Mister Fantastic Mister Fox's feet. The pause was too long. It's okay. Everyone forgot already. So uh, go ahead, restart. Let's just have Topos introduce himself since Tay is fumbling this. <laughs> yeah, it happens. I'm, I'm we to- love you, Tay. <laughs> I'm Topos Bunsen Bean. That, that's it. I could I could do the whole song, but we're going to sing the whole song several times during the episode anyway. So, <laughs> um, Yeah. Topos is a good friend of mine. Uh, Topos usually streams with me if you... Uh, ever check out my streams? You'll probably see Topos there. I'm a good friend. You're a great friend. Some would Aww. say maybe a best friend. Ooh. Am I a fantastic friend? You're a fantastic friend. I we can't. haven't I, we haven't yet introduced the movie, and we should probably. Oh, we said do fantastic that. like eight times. No, we did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, but if they before don't know that. by our names. <laughs> Yeah, before we introduce the movie, though, uh, we are down one player today, and that would be Callus. Um, he something came up; he had to he had to uh, skip out on the recording, but that's just par for the course on on yeah, most yeah, on uh, guest appearances on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so he'll he'll uh, well he'll give the... his uh, opinion on the movie and stuff like that in the next episode. For the record, his name would... also works with uh, Callus Bunsen Bean. Yeah, uh, it does. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I was to say, he missed what would have think... been his name, do you think? What would he would have chosen? Boy, uh, uh, his mind works in such a different way than ours. So. It, yes. it does. It really does. It probably has uh, something with blue in there. Yep. <laughs> All right. Greedy, go well, ahead and introduce the movie for us. So, if you haven't picked it up yet, uh, the movie I recommended from last week from our Wes Anderson kick uh, is fantastic, Mr. Fox. Uh, it's from 2009. Uh, some of the context of the movie is an, an, an unburning fox cannot resist returning to his farm raiding ways and then must help his community survivors the farm's retaliation. 
some of the stars, uh, they're all voice actors, uh, um, of course. Uh, George Clooney, Meryl Streep, uh, Bill Murray, Wes Anderson is also in it. Jason Schwartzman, uh, William Defoe, Owen Wilson, uh, Karen Duffy, and a lot of others. Um, and yeah, I think I got everything. You sure did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so our our idea was to have our uh, guest uh, start off with the talking point. So take it away. Well, uh, before the movie even started, I watched this movie with Tay. And before the movie even started, um, I asked Tay what he, he thought the movie would be about. Um, and his predictions were basically, so it's a Wes Anderson movie, which means that there's going to be an upbeat character who's disenfranchised with life and who's suffering from ennui. Um, the movie is not going to provide a, a massive resolution to this, but there will be some sort of catharsis in the end. Um, unfortunately, Tay got everything about that wrong. There's no upbeat characters, no disenfranchisement with life. No on, no, hang on. No, he did. Oh, no. Yeah. I'm seeing. Yeah. I'm seeing it now. Yeah. All of it. All of that. Um, which is, I, it's a Wes Anderson thing. And I'm, I, sometimes I just want to like, I want to put my hands on either side of Wes Anderson's face and bring his head close to mine and say, <laughs> look deep into his eyes and say, look, my dude, stop making movies and go talk to a therapist, please. It's not that bad. <laughs> um, yeah. Going based off of what you're saying, like just like based off of the title of the description of the movie, you know, I thought I was thinking, you know, this Fox was going to raid, you know, farmers, you know, camps and all that. And yeah, he does do that for a hot second, but I wasn't expecting like, you know, them being underground 90% of the movie. <laughs> He's a fox. Foxes <laughs> live in holes. Yeah. The movie goes to great pains to, to talk about that. <laughs> so what's our talking point there, Topos? What are we talking about? Well, I putting in Just this we. <laughs> well, putting this in the in the context of the of other Wes Anderson movies, I honestly I think that this is a a movie that is a bit of a departure. It is kind of different uh, from a lot of his other stuff. Um, yeah, it's less focused on on like a meta narrative and more focused on man. I'm trying to figure out a way to make this sound ever so slightly less pretentious than it does, but we are four dudes talking about a Wes Anderson movie on a podcast, which let me check here really quick. Yes. No, uh, this has definitely been done before. Um, the, the thing is, is I think that this movie is a pastiche. It's a picture. It's a, uh, it's not an actual story in the sense of like some sort of grand epic narrative where, um, Mr. Fox goes through some sort of life-changing journey and is a different, more developed person at the end. It's more along the lines of like, hey, here's a guy and his relationships, and some of it's kind of fucked up, but... Oh, can I say fuck? Yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. Some of it's kind of fucked up, but also um, some of it kind of makes you think, doesn't it? And it's... In, in that context, it is really well done, and it's something that Wes Anderson does a lot, but not often uh, to this degree or in this way. Is that is that a jumping off point for a talking point, or is that just a 
No, no. I mean, this is my only second uh, Wes Anderson movie. The the first one was the Grand Budapest Hotel, which we watched last week. Um, but yeah, this I can tell just watching the second movie is something. No, not no. It's different, and it's different, but it's very, very good. And the motion picture, I loved it. It was very smooth, and everything was just yeah. There was a few rough edges here and there, but. Everything seemed very well done, and everything was very well done. Waffles, I know that you said a motion picture, but you <laughs> what I heard was emotion picture, and I oh, was yeah, like, emotion. yes, that's exactly what this is. It's an emotion picture, a picture yeah. of this this dork's emotions. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm obviously I'm I'm a pretty big fan of Wes Anderson myself too, um, and you know even though it is uh, a bit of a departure from what he normally does with with his movies. You know, if if I went into this not knowing that Wes Anderson directed it, I could still tell that it was at least inspired by him, um, because a lot of the like I, I, a lot of the cinematography and the placement of the of the camera, quote unquote, in the shots, really does remind me a lot of other movies that he's done in the past. So it still has that Wes Anderson flair while still being something pretty unique uh, in his catalog. For sure. I mean, just doing stop motion. This was his first stop motion movie. Yes. Um, you know, that gives it a whole new feel. Um, and I really liked the animation and just like how like some like most of the characters have fur. Like even when they're like standing still, you can tell someone like as they were moving things just like would the fur would change. And, you know, oh, there was always motion even when things were standing still. One of the things about the stop motion in particular that I think that so in a lot of Wes Anderson movies uh, one of the striking things about them well in a lot of Wes Anderson movies in general one of the striking things about them is his palette and his use of texture and that like the fact that he managed to he got to control all of it in the stop motion means that like every single scene I was like I can 100% feel those corduroy pants like that that character is wearing. I I absolutely get that that uh, that sort of raggedy coarse shirt looking thing. Like um, I can feel the dirt between my toes. I don't know. It, it was very. It was a very textual, not textual, textural movie. It was good. Yeah, we talked about you know his color palette and all that in the, the Grand Budapest Hotel and how well he does with lighting and all that. And it still shows in this one. I'm excited to see more movies by him and compare his uh, color palette and all that and his texture. Yeah. And I yeah, did color, say this was Color his... and music uh, really played a huge role in, in this one in particular. Like, even though Grand Budapest had really good music too, but I felt like the music more so, since they kind of use like, actual, like, um, you know, band-recorded songs and that... Um, the music definitely lends more to this movie than maybe the Grand Budapest Hotel. That's interesting, yeah. Yemi, because I found some of the needle drops on this one to be fucking bizarre. It, like, for the most part, you've got the Bogus Bunsen Bean refrain, and then you've got Petey's number, which is absolutely cool. But, I, I for example, the movie ends with uh, the There She Goes with the Brand New Lover, like that one. And I'm like, what? Why? What does that have to do with and then, and then the refrain comes in, which is like, dance all night, dance all night. And I'm like, okay, fine. But that's a really literal way of doing it. Which you could say about all the songs in this piece is that they were so 
literal. I don't know. The music, the music was a, a, a bit of a sticking point for me. So I, maybe I, I missed something there. Yeah, yeah, I was just watching it and enjoying it. I wasn't trying to think too hard on it. Uh, the the, uh, the main thing that um, that I liked was just like, you know, it was it was it was much different music than you would normally hear. In, like, cause you know you're, you you know, you you watch like any other popular movie in in two thousand nine, and you're hearing you know the freaking you know you know black eyed peas and 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 all the wallflowers you know? yeah yeah, yeah. yeah and instead of getting those generic songs that you hear over and over again i mean it, it was all the songs were completely different like i had never i mean before i'd watched the movie again i had forgotten that they even existed for most part um so that's that's that was more of why i liked the music because it's like it was different it was it was it was a little bit folksy it was music that i wouldn't normally listen to and i think it, it i think the music itself just the genre itself fit the tone the tone that the movie was going for and and how it looked as well like the the look of the movie also um was fed in with the music okay okay i will absolutely 100 percent agree that the that the genre was spot on uh i you're right i am probably digging a little bit too deep on like the like it, it was it was a movie about vibes and that's a lot of times that's what Wes Anderson's all about. I think, Tay, you were going to say something about about the music? Oh, no, I was going to say, because like I said this was his first motion picture, but I should say first, or first, not motion picture, first animated picture, but I should say first full-length animated, because all his other movies have small little animated segments. Yeah, there are like stop, like little, little miniatures stop and motion, stuff that they yeah. use. Yep. So, but, um, but I'm, for the I music, mean, oh, sorry. I, 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 I see where Topaz is coming from. Topos. Topos? <laughs> yeah, Topos. Um, yeah. I see where you're coming from. Like, if if I was to listen to, like, you were you were actually saying the lyrics, and, like, I wasn't really listening to the lyrics at the end of the, at the, end of the song. So it, it is, like, thinking about it now, it is a little bit bizarre, obviously. But, like I said, I was mostly just listening to the genre. I wasn't really listening to what was being said in the song. Yeah, same here. Focus same here. I, and you know what? I think that that's not just valid, but also probably more correct, because this is not really a movie that 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 wants it to wants be analyzed. Yeah, this is this is a movie about the vibes and and like pulling picking the movie apart piece by piece. Uh, there's you're gonna run into whole like okay, right at the very beginning, there's a part. Um, there's a uh, what's it called when they throw text up on the screen? Um, Subtitles. Or, no. no. Uh, oh, just the, I, I yeah, the text. Yeah. yeah, the text says um, twelve years later. Oh, further I, on, see, I see what it Yeah, further on in the movie, uh, the they start making really interesting distinctions between fox years and human years. But like they the did very that in the first, first two. No, the yeah, first the one. First, so twelve yeah, years later, said, then like yeah. in fox like, years, or it was so three. Yeah. Yeah, it was like three years, twelve years, and Fox years, or something like that. Really, man? I'll, yeah, I one hundred percent missed it. Okay, yeah. never mind. My my point. Uh, I was building towards a point there. I'm gonna I'm gonna cede the floor in shame. <laughs> um, yeah, no, they they always were. Yeah, focusing on. I like there was one time where they didn't like mention the Fox years, which was like weird to me. I was like, oh, but how how long is this in Fox years? <laughs> I but I think that that's part of it where it's like 
it's not a movie that's obsessed with being really, really tight in any way, shape, or form. The whole thing is loose. The dialogue is loose. The cadence is loose. The plot is loose. Like, and that's fine. That's okay. It means that, um, you know, nitpicky folks like me will get, have to sit back and, and uh, you know, try and feel the vibes a little bit harder. But that is, that's what, one of the things that make this movie great, I think. Um, I'm getting a little bit of a weird, like, uh, drop in your audio every so often. Is everyone else hearing that? Uh, uh, I, I haven't noticed. I yeah. was, yeah. Maybe uh. it's maybe it's my headset. Yeah, I th- like I th- when I comment asked earlier about it, it was I found it was my ear uh, earpieces or whatever were making the the audio noises. <laughs> my um. My microphone breaks other people's headphones, apparently. <laughs> yeah, it was just weird. I was, he was dropping out every so often for me. I, was, I didn't know if anyone else was hearing that. I, I yeah, might have been peeking. Uh, okay. You, you yeah, it might have just been me. Because I, I was watching the wavelength, and, and every so often it would drop as well on the wavelength. So I, I don't know. Maybe it's just, maybe it's just me. Oh, I could always pull out my other headset if it's that a problem. Well, we might want to run a quick like check on the recording just to make sure i don't know if that's possible or if that's too much work um yeah we can we can uh pause the pod well if i pause i don't think it allows me to download the audio uh we can also just run it It, it's fine i don't know (laughs) this i'll say is this all just gonna make it in because you're in forget it's here (laughs) probably (laughs) it'll all make it anyway if it's um, all in, hello. Hello. Well, I'll, uh, I'll I'll try and listen to when other people are talking and see if it does this, if it's doing the same thing because it could be my headset. Um, we'll mm-hmm. we'll let it ride for now, uh, and mm-hmm. I'll I'll listen closely when other people are talking and see if it does the same thing. Mm-hmm. All, all right. right. Anyways, um, Tay, you have something? No, I didn't have anything. <laughs> I was trying to think of something, but. I was like, well, where, where were we? Where, what did we leave off on? The, the way that this movie doesn't really stand up to deep scrutiny, or rather is not built for deep scrutiny, I think. Uh, does anybody else have, have like examples of how, how it's a movie about vibes more than like specifically analyzable plot points and stuff? I think one of the things you can point to is how there are some shots that are kind of like a little bit more, I don't want to say realistic, but like they're a little bit more purposeful than others. And it just kind of like, is a little bit jarring. Like, you know, they zoom in on um, the possum's eyes every so often when, (laughs) when things are happening. And it's kind of like a little bit of a slapstick moment, uh, which always made me laugh, especially when eventually Mr. Fox was the one who was dazed and confused. Um, so I think that kind of points signal. to it being a bit more of like a laid back kind of, you know, just a, a vibe kind of movie, you know, you mm-hmm. get those moments that kind of remind you of like the first few seasons of Spongebob when they used to do that too, where they would make a joke and then they would zoom in and have like a photo, like realistic drawing of whatever was happening. I kind of got the same vibes here from that. Yeah, I can see that. Kylie is absolutely hands down my favorite character. Kylie Possum. <laughs> he is the he is the best. I agree with that. Well, Kylie 
the zoom in on the eyes, the kind of like, is Kylie really all there or is he not? Is a, is a fascinating contradiction because when it comes right down to it, of all the characters in the movie, Kylie is perhaps the, the wisest one. He's the one who knows when to stop, even if he doesn't always stop there because somebody else pushes him. He's the one who seems like most satisfied in his life. He doesn't, he's not trying to get anybody's approval at more or less any point in time. He's trying to engage with the other characters in a sort of genuine way that I find really charming. Yeah, he also seems to have like yeah. some sort of sixth sense too. Um, you know, at the end of the movie when Mr. Fox is like telling everyone like their power, like you know, their special abilities or whatever you want to say, um, he didn't have anything for the possum, but like anytime during the movie when something was like creeping up on them, like the dog with rabies um, and also the wolf at the end, like he was always the first one to notice and then everyone else would notice. So I feel like he kind of also had like this sixth sense about him. Yeah. Oh, um, Except for the one time he forgot the blueberries. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you wrote well, it that, in your hand. That's for, that's that's fore planning. That's very different from awareness, Tay. Yeah, true. Kylie lives in the moment. You can't. <laughs> and he has really good credit. We can't forget that. Yes, he does have really good credit. I guess I guess that kind of leads us to just like the humor in the movie. Um, I found myself laughing throughout the entire thing. Um, but I also found myself getting kind of emotional at times, too. Like, it really, like, the characters and how the voice acting was done, um, you really felt, you really felt for the characters and stuff like that. So I, I did I did find myself getting a little emotional at times, but also I found myself also laughing throughout the entire thing. Now, did you feel bad for Mr. Fox? Or were you kind of like, fuck you, Mr. Fox? What are your guys' opinions? I mean, I'm not going to say fuck you, Mr. Black. I mean, obviously, he's a bit of a flawed character, as we all are. Um, and, you know, he got, you know, because he obviously wasn't satisfied with his writing career, you know. Um, but yeah. he also didn't seem to be satisfied with family life either. And I think that his the growth of his character is realizing that he can put his passion into his family instead of trying to force passion onto writing or having this passion for stealing things from the humans, you know. I think that's a big part of his character growth is he learns to love his family more than he loves burglary, essentially. Yeah, stealing and all that, yeah. I agree with so that. So I was root I was rooting for him the entire time to go back to your question. <laughs> I I was rooting for him too. I I don't Yemi, I hope this isn't a thing. I disagree with your assessment of the growth of Mr. Fox. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. I, no, we, okay, we like so, some contradictory stuff here. Yeah. It doesn't so happen I, often. I didn't see him grow. I like the the thing is is that he did at the end he might engage slightly better with Ash, uh, but it's only because Ash is his son. Uh, but it's only because Ash demonstrated some sort of athletic ability, right? So Fox didn't actually like and this this I, this goes back to the the pastiche versus narrative kind of thing where in a narrative it, it is you would expect a character to grow uh this is just a snapshot of him and i think that's one of the things that makes me feel so so much about it you're right that he's a flawed character he stays flawed the entire time circumstance gives a kind of like um wraps it all up for him but he's better at the end because of luck not because of of um any introspection or growth that he goes through at least in my in my view of what happened 
so you don't see the heartfelt moment with between him and his wife to be a character changing moment. No, yeah, because right. he had a heartfelt moment right at the start. He had one at the start. He had a couple in the middle, and then he had uh, he, he had one at the end. They're all heartfelt moments. The problem was never that he didn't have um, that he didn't love his family. The problems were that he like couldn't really reconcile. Like the problem was that he wanted to do something that he wasn't allowed to do, and he then did that thing, and consequences happened that affected everybody. But at the end of it. He's like, well, I guess we're all just wild animals. I would 100% do that thing again, even knowing that there are consequences. Which is not a great growth arc, <laughs> you know? Does that... I see what you're saying about, like, from a certain light, it does absolutely look like he um, he is in a different place at the end of the movie. My My argument, though, would be that he's not in a different place because he grew. He's in a different place because of the the events that transpired. So you don't think that him bringing the entire family on his little burglary trip, that that doesn't show that he grew it at, at all because he, before it was just him or just him and Kylie, but now he's bringing the entire family to take out the, the supermarket. Well, it was, it was never um, just him. It was him and, um, and Felicity, his wife, or it was him and Kylie and, or it was him and Kylie and um, Christofferson. Uh, he finally lets Ash come along, but only after Ash has like uh, demonstrated some sort of like desire and willingness to go in a um, in a way that Mr. Fox finds acceptable. And the, the supermarket thing was like I guess it technically in some ways a heist, but I don't really see that as a as growth on his part because. Like, I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe he was finding it more acceptable to bring his family along. But to me, it was just like, oh, this is how we're getting dinner now because I'm a wild animal and I've accepted that in a way. You know? Yeah, I get where you're coming from. Like, I think, you know, you're saying, yeah, he kind of, you know, since he, they're living underground, he's, uh, the events that kind of, he's kind of like, you know, playing it off. But I also see the point, too, where, where Yummy's saying... But I also want to go back to your comment where you say it's the same, like he did the same throughout the beginning of the movie, the middle. I think the beginning was kind of more of a promise and a heartfelt moment. Whereas, you know, like the range where they're in the rainfall area, they were talking. I think that's more heartfelt than than like the beginning, if, unless you're talking about a different spot. But Well, I was. Yeah, I mean, I was referencing the part where he was in the sewer and the rain was falling down. He was going to go sacrifice himself to save everyone. Yeah, I mean, that, obviously, that the, definitely obviously the, the first, you know, the, the scene where they're in the cage, like, obviously, that's like, you know, he's making a promise and he, you know, the wife, the wife wants him to change, but he doesn't want to change. Right. Yeah. But at the end of the movie, now he wants to be different. He wants to be there for his family. And and I, I, I do see that there is, I, I see that as character growth. I, I don't know. Yeah, okay. I, I agree. It does feel like some character growth there. Not much, but there's some. <laughs> and, and I mean, obviously, you know, Ash, he didn't really like, I understand, like, it's kind of like the, you know, how to train your dragon problem where the father only accepts the son after he <laughs> shows that he's capable of doing something, right? Um, mm -hmm. I see it as a, it's a, it's, I see it as being a little bit different in this case. 
Um, I, but I, I do see the parallels between that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe. Yeah, I, I can. I definitely I definitely see where you're coming from. Um, I am inclined to be less charitable to Mr. Fox, be, partly because I don't know. I'm not a tr- tremendously charitable person in the first place. Uh, but also because I really, really like Mr. Fox as a as a dick, as an un, uh, unchanging, like irresponsible, like dork. And it, it's silly because there were twelve whole years where Mr. Fox didn't didn't steal anything, right? We don't get to see that. We get to see his reversion. Um, so maybe. Maybe there's there's something to be said about that though, where like, um, but in the twelve years he was abiding by Felicity's wishes, but not by like his own desire. And at the end of it, he finds a way to like uh, to compromise or to like bring the whole thing together so that he is able to be himself and also be um, be there for his family. I can see that. Yeah, and also don't forget, it was only three years. It was 12 Fox years, though. 12 Fox. That's, yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Yeah. It is a funny movie, though. Yeah. And a lot of times, <laughs> that that can't... <laughs> like, the sometimes the humor, like, busts through in a way where you expect it to be... Um, like, you expect... This is the moment where Mr. Fox learns his lesson. And then it's like, no, this is a really, really funny moment instead. And it's like, okay, that's entirely fair. I don't know. Yeah, and we we also said that a lot to uh, from our uh, last Wes Anderson movie is like they had you no know, serious scenes, and that you know the same serious scene is they're you know calling each other you know losers or something. It's just like random. You're like, oh, okay, wasn't expecting that. Same thing with this movie. <laughs> well, yeah, there was that whole scene where he was trying to um, get a down payment on the tree or whatever. And it's pretty it's pretty serious throughout the entire thing. And then all of a sudden he's like, I'm uh, what what did, what did the what did Badger say? Bill Murray say um, I'm I don't, cussing I'm cussing you or something like that. Are you cussing at me? Yeah. And then they you know, then Fox is like, oh, I'm 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 cussing at you. And then they just start they just start going wild. Right. Like it's so out. It was kind of out of nowhere for the first time. And I was just yeah. I was just bursting out laughing because it's just like such a, an absurd thing, you know, <laughs> just go around the desk and then sit back down. OK. <laughs> I think that that move that moment, as funny as it was, also like got to cut to one of the very core things of the film, which is that like that these are wild animals, right? Like, right. And, and sometimes the veneer comes off. Sometimes the mask slips, and when it does, you get a badger and a fox hissing and scratching at each other. I also like, um, this is kind of change topic, but um, just the animal sizes just varied so much throughout the whole movie. <laughs> like, the animal, like, just the scenery around them is more what changes. Like, the animals were the same size, but suddenly, like, oh, the, the, you're the size of a door almost. Oh, you're, the, you're tiny and you can fit through a sewer pipe. <laughs> This is the this is the uh, 
the sizes in particular were one of the things that, that indicated to me early on, hey, this movie is is abstracted. Yeah. It's his vibe. For sure. Don't don't try to track how big Mr. Fox is. We're never gonna put him in a in a scene with Bogus Bunce and or Bean. You don't have to worry about that. Right? Like Mr. Fox is just Mr. the size that Mr. Fox is, and that's how it is. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. I just thought it was funny. It's it was and it and like the the size jokes that are in there are really really great. Like um like how big is the apple tart? You know? <laughs> yeah, like and also like the boxes at the end of the movie that were like it's like is that supposed to be like a normal size box or you know obviously it's like a really small box to us humans but it's a normal size box to Mr. Fox. <laughs> Interesting. I more so noticed that once the humans started like interacting with them, like when they were in the house with the uh, lady with cataracts and in the cellar with the apple cider and stuff, that's when I noticed like, okay, so the, the size of the characters don't really matter in like, they, they matter yeah. scene to scene, not like overarching. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The fact well, that I... there's a rat, the size of a Fox. <laughs> <laughs> it's just wild. Oh man. The rat is my second favorite character. That's William Dafoe in the movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, and that was part. It's like in, uh... <laughs> once you once you realize it's William Dafoe, you go, "Oh, he's gonna die." William yeah, Dafoe okay. always dies in a real, Wes Anderson real, movie. Real quick, except for it, French Dispatch. Isn't it Willem? Okay. Willem. Yeah, it is. Willem. He doesn't. There's no I in the. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm just. <laughs> I was like, are we, we talking about the same? On this, on this podcast, we can say whatever we want. And if we All want right. to mispronounce mm-hmm. their names, we can do that. West Anderson is my you favorite know, no, director. No one, uh, no one corrected us last episode, so ah. you know, we mentioned William Defoe a lot of times. So I just assumed it was William. I, okay, hang on. I'm gonna. I'm up. learning new new things here. It's Willem. I'm getting to that YouTube video real quick, and then uh, how could you jerks <laughs> get my boy Willem's name so wrong so many times? Yeah, I think I've not heard even it out wrong. Yet. I've heard it wrong in so many different places. It kind of sticks for a little, you know. It kind of yeah. sticks in your brain. It does. Just like really when, does. well, just like with, uh, you know, uh, the two towers. We were talking about the two towers, and I called a uh, Grima worm tongue Gimmith worm tongue, and I was, and the, I just, it was just something that I had always said because that's how I heard it once, and that's how yeah. I always said it after that. Gimmith worm tongue is a better name. I mean, I'm I'm down to give notes Thank to JRR you. Token here. Gimmith yeah. Worm Tongue, hell yeah! <laughs> Thank you. Better. It sounds more like a name than Grima. <laughs> uh. Speaking of Grima. Uh, speaking of names, the names in this movie are are good. Um, all of the, <laughs> I think that uh, some of it comes from Roald Dahl himself, right? Bogus Bunsen Bean. Are, are definitely Roald Dahl's invention. Um, but all of the, the names are like first name, human name, last name, just the animal that they are. Mm-hmm. Which is great. It, it just well, works. It makes everything easy. And difficult in some ways. I... <laughs> what was Mr. Fox's first name? Was it just fantastic or? No, I think it was Mr. Okay, yeah. Because on the awards for his um, his skill it's at F- the F- ball game, yeah, it's F yeah. F M F, I think. 
Hmm. So maybe I don't know. Maybe maybe that's a nickname he, he acquired in high school and it yeah. stuck. <laughs> Yeah, or in school, not high school, but school in general. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to say it's Felix. Because that... in the movie, they're like quote unquote fantastic, Mister Fox. You know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That 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 does come into play quite a bit because like uh, Mister Fox taken uh, taken in in the context of of who he is and what he is is fantastic. He's extremely good at stealing... Like, he's a genius at stealing chickens and uh, pheasants and cider. Um, but is he fantastic? Like, would you... Would any of you call Mr. Fox fantastic after watching well, the movie? I mean, no, I wouldn't. But you have to remember, he got the nickname for playing sports ball. It was Whackbat, but yes. Well, yeah, that's what, you know... Whatever, it's a sports ball game. Um, <laughs> There's no ball in it whatsoever. That's a pine, it's a pine cone. cone. <laughs> it's close enough to a ball. Either way, that's where he got the, the nickname. Why Why aren't you respecting the ancient institution of Whackbat? <laughs> Whackbat is a great sport. I want to try it. Um, but yeah, that's where he supposedly got the nickname Fantastic. So in that regard, sure, I guess he could be fantastic. As a person, no, no, he's not very fantastic. He's a dick. A lovable dick. That just wraps around to um, the first thing that Topo said, which was, you know, what do you expect going into this movie called Fantastic Mr. Fox? You know, when I originally watched this back in, I don't know, 2010 or 2011 or whenever I watched it originally, I didn't watch it in theaters. Um, You know, I went into it thinking that, you know, oh, it's a fun little uh and you know stop motion movie you know bill murray and you got george clooney and and i was not expecting you know the the heists and the you know i was expecting just like a kind of like a kids movie essentially it was before i really knew who wes anderson was um so my expectations going into it when i was younger was were much different than when i was going into it now on a rewatch you know yeah yeah well this was my first time watching it yeah my first time as well I went in thinking, why is this guy fantastic? Let's see if he is. Yeah, let's see why he's fantastic, right? That's that's also yeah. you know, one of those things at the beginning um, where you're like, okay, when does he become fantastic? I guess um, he I, I guess starts it... fantastic, or he never is fantastic. And I think that that's mm-hmm. that's fantastic about the the film is that like, yeah. uh, viewed one way, he is never fantastic. Viewed another way. Like, there's nowhere for him to go because he was always fantastic. Like, does that make sense? Is that track? I'm trying to... It tracks. I get yeah, you. Yeah, it tracks. Yeah. It tracks. I, I think that his view of himself is also a really interesting to look at thing to look at. Does he think he's fantastic? Oh, he definitely does. I, I don't know. There's a moment. There's a moment where I think he's talking to Kylie where he's like... Um, it, it is one of those moments where he's kind of like down in the in the dumps, like the the sewer rainfall scene around there, where he's like, "Oh, maybe he's talking to Felicity," where he's like, um, "I just get this urge to uh, make it so that everybody around me thinks that I'm some sort of fantastic Mr. Fox," which is when we, you go, "Hey, they said the name of the movie." Um, <laughs> he's like, it, "It's a compulsion of some kind where I go too far to try and make everybody." think that I'm fantastic. And I was like, yeah, I was like, that is 
introspective in one direction, but in another direction, Mr. Fox, that's not your problem. That is not, <laughs> that is, if you want to address something about yourself, like being worried about the way other people think of you is not really something that is going to be tremendously productive and making you live a, 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 a better and happier life. <laughs> like you're missing the entire point here, Mr. Fox. But I, I might have been, uh, once again, uncharitable in that scene to to this character that I really like. I mean, obviously, it is kind of a flaw that his, you know, he is so concerned about what other people think, which also might be why. Um, I mean, obviously, it is why uh, that he, he takes over like the, the toast from um, Mr. Badger. In, in the middle of that, moment. you know, he he takes that over because he's like, well, I need to show people that I am the one who did this because they, you know, they, you know, I want them. Well, maybe he doesn't want them to look up to him, but he wants them to be, uh, you know, think highly of him, essentially. Uh, so and also, like, it's kind of meta that, you know, they call the movie Fantastic Mr. Fox. And throughout the movie, you're guessing as to why he's so fantastic, right? Uh, maybe maybe that's why they called it Fantastic Mr. Fox in the first place was to kind of um, make you get those expectations and realize, you know, OK, maybe there's a little bit something else going on here. Maybe he's not so fantastic like we think he is, you know, and I think maybe that's also like putting you in the mindset of the animals around him, making you who maybe think he's fantastic. But you, you when you actually see who he is in this movie you go, oh, well, I guess he's not that fantastic. He, he's, he's definitely flawed and he's, you know, he's putting on a show for the for the animals around him kind of thing, uh, which, you know, it's, you know, watching the movie, I kind of feel, you know, you're kind of in the same place as the animals are who who perceive him as being fantastic, you know? Yemi, I'm, I'm only breaking in here because I you may get YouTube comments about the, this. The, the film is called Fantastic Mr. Fox because it's an adaptation of a book by Roald Dahl called Fantastic Mr. Fox. <laughs> right, but you could also go into the mo- into the book, reading the book, going, why is this Fox fantastic? Oh, I mean, you cannot. No, it, no, no. It, it's a chi- that one is a children's book where Fantastic Mr. Fox is taken exactly at face value, where it's a, a um, it's a, I love the book too, by the way, but it is a, a straight up, straight down, um, these are the antics of this really incredible animal, uh, which is, which ma- makes it so that, that the, the fact that there is so much ambiguity in the movie itself, to your point, uh, the the fact that that is flipped is a really, really Wes Anderson thing to do. And I do think that you're very astute in, in like pointing out that like going into that movie, thinking that you're going to get a straight up, straight down. These are the antics of a fantastic Mr. Fox. And then getting presented with this flawed kind of dick bag, ambiguous character, I think is phenomenal. So my point still stands, though. You go into the movie expecting (laughs) Fantastic Mr. Fox, but you don't get Fantastic Mr. Fox. So, you know, me, who is a person who's never read the book, and I, you know, obviously I knew that was based on a book, but, you know, I never read the book. I could see it as I'm going into this going with the expectation that this guy is fantastic, kind of like how the animals view him. And I can say, okay, well, okay, his real, the real world is a bit different from this world that's been built up around him, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. I... I agree. I do agree where it's like, huh? You know, I think that this, I really like this one better than, um, than the sequels. I don't, I don't remember ever seeing uh, two or three, but fantastic four just wasn't very good. <laughs> I thought that was fan four stick. <laughs> Cause the fours in the middle of the words. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well yeah, that it's was a little the bit... latest version. Right. Right. 
And then there's the Fantastic and the Furious, and then that's a whole other thing. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, the, the movie kind of fall, you know, the, the sequels kind of fall off after the first one, let's be honest. Yeah. They weren't even stop motion. I mean, come on. They weren't? And why they recast some of them Mr. looked like it. why they recast <laughs> Mr. Fox as Dwayne Johnson? Like what the heck? Uh, yeah. I okay, you say that, but I would one hundred percent watch this movie with Dwayne Johnson replacing all of um all the characters' lines. I don't know, like <laughs> No, all of them. He just it's just Dwayne Johnson doing all, all the voices. Uh, except for Kylie, who is played by um uh Triple X, fuck, what's his name? Um, Vince Diesel. Vin Diesel. Yeah, yeah. Vince Diesel. Yemi, are you doing this on purpose? I said Vin. I said Vin. <laughs> Rewind the I tape. I said Vin. <laughs> Good old Vincent Gasoline, my <laughs> third favorite actor. <laughs> yeah. He changed his name to Vin Diesel. Can you believe that? No. Cringe. It's no, amazing. Uh, anyway, <laughs> back that's on our, track uh, here. Yeah, that's our that's, that's our, our uh, uh, random derailment topic. of this <laughs> of the episode. <laughs> Get the train back on the tracks. Uh, there's a lot of trains in this movie. There are there is yeah, aren't you? Speaking of that, I thought they were gonna like come like play into it somehow since they're just like always in the background. But nope, they're just always in the background. Sometimes they're in the foreground. The yeah, that's true. Sometimes Ash Ash plays with the with the train in the foreground. Like literally on top of Christopherson's head, which is yeah, that's true. Which was funny. Boy, what a if Fantastic Mister Fox is a dick, what is Ash? <laughs> He's a troubled youngster. We'll, we'll call yeah. him. Yeah. Okay. Because I think that um, gets. I mean, if if you want to say a character with with some character growth, I mean, I think Ash does change throughout the uh, movie. Um. You know, he cares less about himself and, and more about Christofferson as he goes through. Because, you know, obviously it's another thing. It's like he's, you know, it's circumstance where, you know, Ash got Christofferson captured. So he has to go save him. That's that's kind of where the, the growth kick starts. But um, compared to Mr. Fox's growth, I feel like Ash went through maybe a little bit more growth than than him. I There's another reading of it uh, that now in this case, I do. I think I agree with you more than than what I'm about to say, but I'm about to say it anyway, because uh, that's the kind of person I am. Um, where the, like, technically speaking, Ash, like, at the beginning of the movie, wants his father's approval, but not really, like, isn't willing to do certain things to get it. And then at the end of the movie, he still wants his father's approval, but isn't willing to do certain things to get it. Like, the only reason that he goes to, like, save Christofferson uh, was, like, yeah, he it was his fault that Christofferson got, got caught, but he always wanted to go on a heist. Throughout the entire movie, he wanted to go on a heist. And, like, when his dad wouldn't let him, he set up his own heist. And when that went bad, he got to go on a heist with his dad. Like, <laughs> that's not necessarily growth, per se. That's just... He wasn't... He wasn't invited along on the heist, though. He kind of just showed up and, you know, Mr. Fox was like, all right, I guess you're with us, you know. <laughs> so it's so not that... like it's not like Mr. Fox chose him to come on the adventure because he felt Ash was capable. Ash just kind of sh- came along because he felt bad for getting Christopherson captured, essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And by the end of it, like... by the end of it, Ash is like, you know, he he's grown as a character enough that you know he he's okay with Christopherson and um, he's okay with being weird, being different. You know, that's that's the mm-hmm. that's that's I think the main crux of his character is, you know, he goes from not really accepting who he is, like he wants to be an athlete, he wants to be this, he wants to be that, but in actuality, he's just you know he's different, he's kind of weird, he. He's kind of like a he's kind of like a planner, just like his father in that way. But he was trying to be something else, you know. His, you know, his he had so many expectations, and maybe in, maybe only in his own mind. Obviously, during the the ball game, you know, they they um they kind of planted that into his head even more. But you know, he has all these expectations of like I need to be an athlete, I need to be I need to be swift, I need to be like my dad, you know. Well, um, the but the thing is, is that he thinks he is an athlete. <laughs> that's that's the uh like. He doesn't want to be one. He believes that he is one. <laughs> and so that's why I'm like, there's not, that doesn't quite change um, in terms of, but he does like. Well, he, he doesn't want to be an athlete by the end of the movie. He, he wants to be, uh, um, he, he's, you know, he's wearing his burglar mask and stuff like that. He, he obviously wants to be some sort of like conniving planner. <laughs> Maybe not conniving, but yeah. Yeah. Uh. Maybe it's not clear what he wants to be, but I don't think he wants to be an athlete anymore. Like he's not showing that he wants to, know play sports anymore i guess i don't know where you would do it in the sewers but you know (laughs) (laughs) that's that's true they are way worse off at the end of the movie than they were at the start yeah i i'll agree with you on that one (laughs) yeah i don't think the sewers are really i mean obviously there's not like you know they they even you know they even say um in the movie like oh there's nothing down there but garbage and there's not a lot of that yeah Uh, so they definitely aren't well off, even though apparently, you know, people want to move in. You know, Christopherson's dad wants to move in. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do wants think to be that... close to his sister. Yeah. Right. But he could also like have a son come to him, you know, if they live yeah, in the yeah. forest. <laughs> hmm. Yep. I don't know. The buying is good, I guess. Maybe, maybe it's yeah. affordable housing. I don't know. <laughs> well, they're they're That is one of the things about the movies is, is um, that I do really enjoy that, that hit me a lot was the, um, the really clear connections between individual action and um, community repercussions, whether that's uh, like good or bad. So the sewer was not good when they went into it, but it is clear by the end of the movie that they are turning the sewer into a place that's good in the same way that, that the tree was in a really nice like neighborhood for animals at the start of the movie. And then Fox's disregard for the consequences of his actions um, turned it into, well, a hole in the ground. Although Bacchus Bunsen Bean turned it into a hole in the ground. Let's be, let's yeah. be clear. I do like, or I don't know how I feel of the ending. So, they're just like, oh, look, we found this grocery store. It's amazing. It's like, yeah, this is just going to cause all new repercussions. <laughs> yeah, I kind of saw that coming. Yeah. Especially since it's still owned by uh, Bunsen Beans and other Boggis, guy. Bunsen Bean. Boggis. Fat, one short, one lean. These horrible crooks, <laughs> so different in looks, were nonetheless equally mean. Ah. I couldn't understand the words when it was being sung. Don't you normally yeah. watch the movies with the subtitles, Tay? 
<laughs> I normally do, but we did not watch them with subtitles this time because we are oh, at our man. friend's house watching them. The one time you needed subtitles, you didn't. I know. Them. I thought that I thought about that as we were watching. It. I was like, I wish I had subtitles on right now. <laughs> <laughs> we were watching it on Amazon. You could have asked. It was. <laughs> I could have, but it was. It was too. Late. I mean, the movie was almost over at that point, so I was like, yeah, whatever. It's fine. Yep. That song is is directly from the books, by the way, which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um, it does kind of bring up the there, there is one other thing I, I'm, I'm just going to throw this out there you, you may want to cut this out I have no idea um, I, I doubt it <laughs> uh, okay well there is a way of reading this movie as a race allegory and it is um, awkwardly done and not tremendously it's not very good it's very clearly like a white dude grappling with privilege kind of thing, but it's kind of explicitly stated in the, in the house buying scene, in the tree buying scene. Um, Mr. Fox, don't buy this tree. This neighborhood is very dangerous for people of your, and then if you put the word race in there instead of species, like that's kind of where that, that conversation uh, goes. But when viewed in that light, Mr. Fox is a black guy, moving into a white neighborhood, robbing all of the white neighbors and, uh, and then getting a lynch mob set on him. And that's not, I don't think that that is like a very, uh, a direct line. Um, or it's, it's not necessarily the reading that you would get without overthinking it, but it is a reading that's there. And I think that it's important to like actually mention and look at so that, so that, some of the the outlying context of the movie can be like um brought into the conversation a little bit i don't know what do you folks think is that is that something that you saw at all yeah that didn't even cross my mind honestly you know when i when i when i heard him say that i was just thinking like okay you know there's the farms near the the property that are tempting for foxes to go and kill the the birds and animals and stuff in there and take the the food i wasn't even thinking about that yeah, I mean, it crossed my mind a little bit, but it was more just, okay, these are animals. <laughs> we had this conversation a little bit after the movie. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't know if I if I should bring it up, honestly, and that that's why I was like, uh, but I, I do think that, that uh, the reading is there, and I don't even think that it's a, a like a, a difficult reading to pick up on. I, like... If you look at, at the some of the criticism for the movie, not the not like people who are critical of the movie, but like the criticism surrounding the movie, um, and particularly some of the criticism around Wes Anderson as a director, you will find some um, some people who do not do not feel that he's tremendously good at at writing uh, race into his movies, and he's also not very good at writing at, at writing women into his movies, which. I think are fair, both fair criticisms. Um, and this movie, it might be a bit of a stretch to tie those things into it, but I like, I didn't want to like go through the entire podcast without like, at least, at least, you know, throwing that out there just to see what, what other folks thought. I don't know. It's an important thing to bring up, obviously. Um, you know, uh, I, I just, 
I, I just it didn't even cross my mind. So it, it is it is good that you're bringing it up because you know you kind of see it in a different in a different way. It's not going to change my opinion on the movie because I don't know I don't know if it was intentional for for that. I mean, you know, it's it, it's it's hard to say honestly. I would I would say I, I argued with Tay about this a little bit, but I would say that it's very obviously intentional, particularly in the moments when he's buying the tree. There are one or two other moments um the newscaster as well is covering the the thing in a specific way and then some sort of like more tenuous connections that have to do with uh with the pd's jazz um the lyrics of pd's song that that are like all that being said i don't think that it was the underlying point of the movie i don't think it was the the like fundamental issue that was at stake. I do think though that it was there and I and and it was just interesting to see that kind of thing. It let me let me put it this way. There's a moment when um when Bean rips the trailer apart and it is very funny. It is one of my very favorite scenes <laughs> where Bean gets furious uh that he's not able to catch Mr. Fox and rips the trailer apart and um like the and like Br'er Wolf being unable to catch Br'er Fox and getting furious and destroying things is a staple of certain like southern fables and I really really liked that connection. Does that make sense? Again, this might get cut out. I'm just I don't know. Yeah. Like I said, I think it's I think it's an important statement to make on honestly. Yeah. Um, overall, yeah, I you know, it's there. Uh, I don't like, again, yeah, I agree. It's not like the main focus. Um, and as we kind of talked about after the movie, uh, Wes Anderson, yeah, doesn't do necessarily great in <laughs> that area. Um, because I mean, how many, how many ladies were in Grand Budapest? One, two, I mean, there was a fair amount there, of women there, in that, yeah, movie. that actually, God. actually affected the plot. <laughs> Well, not just in and, the background. And and when you compare the number of women to the number of men, it, the the number gets a lot worse. <laughs> yeah. Like in Fantastic Mr. Um, Fox as well. There's um I think we listed them. There's Felicity. There's um. Uh, what's Ash's uh or Christopherson's girlfriend's name? Shoot. Uh, I can't remember now. But yeah, she's there. And there's Agnes Bean's wife. Uh, Agnes Bean, and that's a, yeah, that's about well. There's the rabbit as well, but we we talked about how that she doesn't even have a name. She's a doctor, but she doesn't have a name. And it's like okay, well, it's a story about men and fatherhood. And uh, by the way, we're the best people to talk about this, aren't we? We're we're just <laughs> nailing it here. Yeah, <laughs> hey, you know, I mean, it's not just a Wes Anderson problem. It's just a movie problem in a lot of regard. Look at Star Wars. There's two women in the the first trilogy. That's that's true, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. But overall, that's it. I still like the movie. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's do ratings. Yeah. Let's... Any other talking points we want to talk about? Um, I mean, I 
we covered a lot. Could go on forever. Yeah, I, I hear the paper shuffling over there. <laughs> yes, yeah. Turning the page. Next chapter two. I took notes. Um, yeah, I I think that uh, rating ratings would be good. Um, there, we talked about a whole bunch of stuff, and I don't. I I think that that there is a lot more to talk about, but. Uh, we only got an hour, right? Like, <laughs> uh, it, it could go for as long as we need, honestly. Yeah. The, the, the fact that they, they end roughly in about an hour is, is like just a miracle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't I saw the runtime for this. I was like, really? Considering yeah. the Grand Budapest was what, a two hour movie about? Well, it's a, it's a stop motion movie. I mean, stop yeah. motion or just animated movies are usually shorter, anyways. Yeah, Tay and I talked about this, and I, I'm, you know what? I am curious about the your takes on this. This movie feels way longer than it is. Yes, I didn't. Really, I did not I didn't feel, feel that, that no. at all. No, honestly. not at all. I, it zoomed by for me. Huh. See, I like I was enjoying it, but like, like I knew the runtime was was lower, and so I just remember one like a few points going. Well, we've got to be close to the end, right? I mean, it's been. It feels like it's been like at least an hour and a half already. And like not in like a bad way, not like I wasn't enjoying the movie. It just if it felt longer, like than an hour and a half. Well, the, maybe, to maybe me, it's just because the plot points happen so quickly, you know, you feel yeah, like the yeah. movie should be longer. But yeah, yeah. Well, I think the only time I felt like a runtime at least was like it was after one of the parts that they stopped digging, and I was just like, okay, you know. Then after that, you know, you get right oh, back the into five the five minute scene where they're underground yeah. and they're yeah. just talking. I yeah. figured you would find that. <laughs> <laughs> See, I like I found I liked all of it. I didn't find any part boring. It just there, yeah. Since it was going so fast, like I guess I was just. Like, but it was so quick. Like, it was like nothing is. It didn't affect my rating yeah. or anything. So there, there were like yeah. three climaxes, and I think that's what did it for me. Was that was that there's Maybe. like three different parts of the movie where you're like, oh okay, so now they're wrapping up, and then it's like, oh no, uh, Christopherson just got captured, so now they have to rescue him. It's like okay, so they rescued Christopherson. Now the movie's wrapping up, and there's like, oh, and now there's a uh, a supermarket <laughs> scene, and it's like, uh, yeah. okay, uh, huh. Well, let me ask you this. How was the book structured? Did it have like, was it just like a bunch of different adventures or was it like one consistent story? It is. The book is absolutely a bunch of different adventures. It, it is structured very much that way. Uh, again, so, kind of, kind of a, a Br'er rabbit, Br'er fox, uh, Br'er bear situation where uh, it's more a series of anecdotes put together than, although there is like, there is very clearly an underlying thread Um you know, events, one event does happen after another, particularly tracked by the tail, which is fun. Um, I wanted to ask you guys about the tail, but, but anyway, <laughs> what were you going to say? Yummy. Well, that... I, I feel like what you just described is how I feel like the movie is. It feels like there is that one underlying story, but there's a bunch of like, you know, you, you, you know, you get, you get a climax and then the next chapter starts, you know, that's, that's one of the things about why I think that this movie is not your typical Wes Anderson or even like your typical movie kind of movie, because it's not a, a narrative that's built into a two hour structure where it has first act, second act, third act. It's, it's very much, you know, several anecdotes about this peculiar, fascinating person. And you can also get that from the different title cards that happen as well, where 
you know, it can that's kinda, what they're called title cards. It kind of, it kind of shows like, okay, so we're, we're, we're kind of getting into a new chapter in the, in the book or in the movie in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how I, f- that's how I found it. Like, yeah. yeah, there are some swelling action points and some climaxes, but then they show the title card and I go, Oh, that was the end of that chapter. We're moving into this chapter. Yeah. You know, I know when my action points start to swell, a climax is going to happen soon after. That's for damn sure. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that might be a little too graphic. This, I might love to cut you that s- one out. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you said I could say fuck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, we, we talked about Scooby Doo porno, so you're good. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Okay. Did we? I don't. Was I there for that one? Yeah, you were there. <laughs> you were. Remember. You were all about it, Tay. Wait, was we it? Were, we we <laughs> were joking. In... Tay, Tay was the one who brought up. He's like, "Well, you know, if we can recommend this. We could. We could recommend a porno." And I'm like, "Well, the Scooby Doo oh, porno is like an hour or so right. long." That's right. I do remember it now. <laughs> nice, nice. What did you guys think of the tail? What did the tail represent? Because I, I feel like it represented something, but I could never quite put my hand on it. What do you what do you mean? Like was it like as a metaphor or Yeah, cuz yeah. it it felt so metaphorical in certain places where he's like I'm going to get my tail back. You know what? Actually, you guys can keep the tail. But then he does get the tail back. Or or like uh Ash being like I'm going to get my dad's tail back. And then like was it just an object or was there something more there? Cuz it felt like there was, but I couldn't quite get it. Yeah, it's um, not like he was lost it a, any pride or anything like that when his tail yeah. was blown off. Was he, it a Yeah. Was it a penis metaphor? <laughs> that makes the ash wanting to get it back much creepier and i'd really rather was... there goes stay again uh... yeah i think it's, do, it is like flip a flop on it a couple times yeah i think it is a maybe a pride metaphor where he's just like you know you got you're fucked you gotta have a tell yeah. Yeah, but if it was that, then he would he would have been more distraught. I feel like after it yeah. initially got blown off, you know, he was very yeah. nonchalant, you know, accepting yeah. of his of, of his predicament. Maybe maybe he was accepting of his predicament at that time because he had spent so long not feeling whole, and it was yeah. only after like he was really getting into the spirit of the heist and stuff that he wanted it that he genuinely wanted his tail back when he wanted to be able to feel whole once again and he when he does finally get his tail back it's not the same tail and it's detachable but like <laughs> he feels more complete than he did before i don't know this is this is what i'm saying is that i i didn't anyway what does that sound is, does that sound good is that is that nice is that <laughs> no that's not that's, yeah it's fine that's a yeah. thing yeah that's that... it's a thing All right. no i yeah because you know um you know, at the end of the movie, he's he obviously is glad that he has his tail back, and um, you know he makes the joke about being detachable. So uh, maybe it is like some sort of metaphor for you know he has to swallow his pride and and uh, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I agree. It's it's hard to pinpoint what the tail is supposed to be, but it's so clearly maybe it's, supposed to be something. <laughs> maybe it's just supposed to be a tail. Maybe, maybe. Um, I mean, the only thing I could think of is like him, you know, just being like, you know, the father, of, like, I, like I don't even know how to word it, like a leader, I guess, you know, just like, oh, I could have my tail to be like a leader kind of thing, but I don't think yeah, that. Yeah, but he was he was just a fine leader without his tail, as he was with a tail too. Yeah, that's that's what I was gonna say. Is like it doesn't yeah. seem like it was hmm. that kind of thing, you know? I don't yeah, know. I, I I do I like that a little bit, Mister Mister Waffles. Yeah, greedy. <laughs> 
Badger it, waffles. Badger waffles. <laughs> yeah. It does. Um, it, 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 I think that it does work in the sense that maybe he didn't feel as much of a leader without the tail. Perhaps. Yeah. So I don't know. If, but you never know. Yeah. What's a call up Wes Anderson right now in Haskell? <laughs> you know, I hope someday that we can bring on uh, Wes Anderson or writers, <laughs> or especially Wes Anderson. Uh, we're I'll very sorry right for it. calling you, yeah, Wes no. Anderson. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about uh, how about this? Leave it in the comments. What what, what was yeah. Mr. Fox's tale? There we go. Yeah. I'm a guest, and I'm doing a call to action. We're we're good. <laughs> um, there was a moment that I did. I I keep. I don't know this we touched on uh wes anderson's women a little bit ago um there was a moment where mrs where felicity uh scratched mr fox and i wanted to put that up against the moments when mr fox and and badger were like being wild animals at each other because like her her outburst and anger was very cool and very measured and very direct Whereas theirs was this kind of like nothing came Feral. of it, yeah. 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 Almost. Well, I think it, it was just like a point of emphasis that you know she, he, the fox is Mr. Fox is kind of messing up and that he's kind of losing the family, I guess, a little bit. I don't know, but I I do agree with you that you know it just didn't seem like it had much of an effect that he wanted it to imply, I guess. Yeah, the the scratch stays on Fox the for the entire rest of the movie, but not yeah. like I don't know. Yeah, yeah. who knows? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Hmm. All right. All right. Well, we have any other points? Are we good? <laughs> Stop asking. Tell me yeah. he'll find more. <laughs> Just, let's Hang go on, to the rating. <laughs> I will right, we'll go to rating. All right. Yeah, uh, Remind me, do we start with me, or are we going to start with our guest? No, we let's start, start with you. Well, let's start with the guest, oh. and then go to the greedy. Okay. Uh, it's it's a little pointless, because uh, this is one of my all-time favorite movies. And um, it might not sound like it from the way I've, I've been talking about it, but the reason Tay, why... Tay warned us about this, don't worry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, it does say something about me that this is absolutely a 5 out of 5 for me. Um, but the thing is, is that like with all of its flaws and with all of the the issues with it uh it's not really like anything else i've ever seen and for whatever reason it makes me feel and i can't even like put an emotion after that but it does absolutely make me feel and um that's something i value that's something that a piece of art should do and i really like that this piece of art does that so yeah five out of five is, is my is my uh hat in the ring and i hope that um I hope that that's not too far outside of, of everybody else's rating. Yeah, I just want to mention, like, when I was talking about being emotional um, earlier in the podcast, like, that's kind of exactly how I – you kind of put it into words exactly how I feel. Like, I didn't know what emotion exactly I was feeling, but <laughs> I felt something. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. If you could put it into words, then then – you would just put it into the words, and then what's the point of the movie? So the movie, anyway. I'm sorry. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, he said it great, and uh, I agree. Um, yeah, like you did feel emotions in this movie, and it, like you couldn't explain it, but 
you know, you still had fun with the movie. It was still a funny movie. It was serious at times, and it was emotional, and it was heartfelt, and but it was still fun. And we said before, you know, this is different from a Wes Anderson movie, it seems like. And it it, it was really well done. And uh, same with the Grand Budapest Hotel, you know, attention to detail was great. You know, everything was, you know, spotless. Everything was, you know, uh polished correctly i should i guess you can say and acting was great you know he always has a good casting crew uh they all did very phenomenal they all did great um yeah and i'm also going to give it a five out of five well 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 all right uh for me yeah it was a great adaptation of a book i've never read <laughs> um you know the the voice acting was great. The animation itself was great. You know, it was just fun to watch. Like I said, just the fact that, like, there was so much texture. Like, you just felt every time they were, you know, we, what we talked about before, we're just even holding still, things were moving. And that's part of the stop motion. Um, and, you know, I liked the whole overall story. Um, Mr. Fox is kind of a dick, but, you know, he's <laughs> he means well, I guess, for Fox. Um yeah um trying to think what i'd give it um you know i'll round up and i'll also give it a five out of five all right um callus did not give us his rating or or thoughts um so we'll oh. get those next, next time so we'll see how he feels about it um but um for me uh, for lack of a better term or back of a better word, uh, the movie is fantastic. Um, I really I felt strongly about it uh, throughout the entire time watching it. You know, I, I went through the the whole the whole roundabout of emotion, I guess. Uh, really loved the the animation style. Um, I really thought that uh, you know the acting and stuff was on point, as you guys have already said. You know, the use of color in the movie is once again really well done. Things pop in the environment whether it be in the background or the foreground. Um, Wes Anderson knows what he's doing with those types of things. And this, you know, something that wasn't mentioned earlier was, you know, the cinematography is also uh, really well done. It feels like a Wes Anderson movie without it actually being like live action and being like a, uh, you know, like, like, like I said before, if you, if you blind, like not blindfold, if you told, if you never told me that this was a Wes Anderson movie, I definitely would be like, Oh, it's Wes Anderson vibes, you know? Um, so, you know, I, 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 you know, obviously there's one other stop motion movie in his repertoire, which is Isle of Dogs. And this is definitely better than that. Um, and I give it a five out of five. Well, all right. Five's across the board. Except for Two Callus. fives in a row. Yeah. Callus yeah, we'll, maybe makes. We'll see what Callus says. Like... Might be a, uh, might be a, the Hobbit thing where, uh, <laughs> you know, remember Coco came in and gave it a 1.5 out of five. <laughs> and everyone else <laughs> so, was yeah, like was four, good, good. four and a half, five, you know. Well, th I, there is a bit of a sampling bias here, uh, which, you know, need to go unmentioned. But <laughs> I do think that this, this kind of movie is sort of designed for people like us in a, in a way. Um, that, that, uh, look, I don't know you guys, but I got some daddy issues and this was a movie about daddy issues. So... So, I thought you were going to yeah, go on. Gonna oh, go okay. on. I, that, so. was a, that was a long, awkward silence. It was a, it was a leading so. I mean, I was trying to provide a funny explanation. You know, this is a great place for... Thanks, everybody, for listening. <laughs> no, uh, I, I think that uh, movies like this can speak 
differently to everyone who watches it. Um, it's a very, I mean, a lot of movies are very personal movies. Um, and, uh, you know, if you can take out something different from the movie than someone else, I mean, that's just what makes us human beings, you know? That Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I do think that that's part of what makes it, this a, this a good movie was the amount of different things that you could take out of it. Yeah, like for just a, the fact for a that... movie about anthropomorphic animals, you can definitely take a lot of human stuff out of this movie, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the fact that, that you and I uh, and Greedy and Tay all had like slightly different readings and sometimes drastically different readings, and yet we all think that it was a good movie, that's not something that's easy or common, and that's really cool. Absolutely. It's hard to reproduce, but once again, I mean, last episode we gave Grand, we all gave Grand Budapest a five, so... I guess with Wes Anderson, it's easily reproduced. <laughs> <laughs> He's a Speaking good of which, yeah. Tay, you got a recommendation yeah. for next episode, I hear. Uh, oh, sure, I do, I do. Hold on, give me a sec. I have it, but I don't, I don't have it pulled up. To give he all wasn't expecting details. that smooth of a transition. Yeah. I is, it that one, is it that one with Bill Murray and Owen Wilson? Yes, yes it is. Uh, is George Clooney in it? Is it a, I, I don't think so. Is it about what? an upbeat character who's disenfranchised with life? Yeah, yeah. Does it deal it with is. ennui? <laughs> yes. All right, I think I know what I think I know what movie you're talking about. It is. <laughs> it is the Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. Yeah, it was the one on my list because I I saw this one like in high school or just after high school. Um, I remember enjoying it, but I don't remember much about it. So I figured it'd be a good time to uh, re review it. Um, the obviously director is Wes Anderson. Uh, it was written by Wes Anderson and Noah Boombach. Uh, stars Bill Murray, Owen Wilson, Angelica Houston, Willem Dafoe, Jeff Goldblum, uh, Michael Gamden, Noah Taylor, Bud Cor. Okay, now we're getting them to names we're knowing. We're actually know who these people are so um, oh and Kate Blanchett as well um, so yeah it is let me go back to the synopsis uh, with a plan to exact revenge on a mythical shark that killed his partner oceanographer Steve Zissou played by Bill Murray rallies a crew that includes his, includes his estranged wife a journalist and a man who may or may not be his son All right. Well, another Wes Anderson movie. I mean, I like the last yeah. two, so I'm sure I'm gonna like this one. So I'm excited. Yeah. No, like I said, I do remember this one was great. One of my favorite lines that I the only thing I remember is this is my son. This is probably my son Ned. <laughs> as I mentioned, uh, as I mentioned last time, I, this is the one Wes Anderson movie that I haven't seen. So it'll be oh, good really? to round out um, this one. Uh, if you want to watch it yourself, it is not available on Amazon unless you want to buy the disc. Uh, but it is available, I believe, on Hulu, YouTube, um, and other normal like renting sites. But it's not on the Pirate Bay. Pirate Bay. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But if you want to get you know YouTube, it seems like YouTube renting is going to be your best shot unless you have Hulu with uh, subs okay. or Hulu. A subscription to Hulu. What am I saying? Out, <laughs> out of out of curiosity, Tay, what made you go for this one instead of like the Royal Tenenbaums or Moonrise Kingdom or or Darjeeling Unlimited? Was Life Aquatic? Well, I said this. There's one I, I saw. One of the because I haven't seen 
too many Wes Anderson movies. So this is one yeah. I've seen before and I remember liking it and it was on my list already um, of movies to pick eventually. So I figured, well, if we're doing Wes Anderson, might as well get to my pick. That makes sense. That makes sense. That tracks. Hell yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much to Topos for coming onto the podcast today. Um, is there Did anything there... that you want to like plug or mention uh, before we end the show? Um, I, Tay and I stream. I wanted to thank you for having me on. Uh, I, I, I'm going to have to listen back to this because I strongly suspect that I did what I promised myself I wouldn't do, which was talk too much. But then again, it is a podcast. So, um, yeah, thank you very much for, for having me. Uh, I'll plug film freaks with a Z subscribe to us on, um, subscribe to them. It's not on us. I, I'm only a guest <laughs> um, on iTunes and uh, list, catch them on YouTube. Leave a comment down below if you feel uh, like like you've got an answer for what exactly Mr. Fox's tale was. Um, or if you just, you know, like the movie. There's going to be a um, an audience pick next week from what I, or next podcast from what I hear. And um, again, thank you very much for having me on. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Okay. What was that? Is there a movie would, that you would like us to throw in there? Oh, man. Now, see, that's a question. Um, you know what to say is. now. You can. You want <laughs> Fifth Element. Well, so I, I would say Fifth Element, except the thing is, is that I kind of want to make y'all watch everything everywhere all at once. Because uh, Tay hasn't that's seen That's also it yet. on my list. That yeah. is on my list to watch. Yeah. So. so so throw that on there. Everything everywhere all at once is really, really I good. appreciate it. Because that that is what I was gonna originally pick this week, but then we started <laughs> the Wes Anderson stuff. So I was like, all right, Wes Anderson's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you'll be happy um, to know I have seen the movie and I did give it a five out of five when I watched it. So Oh man. Nice. It made me cry. It made me cry a lot. <laughs> so did Fantastic Mr. Fox, but uh everything everywhere all at once yeah, made he, me cry. It was kind of hard to hard 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 to watch Mr. Fox with him because he was just bawling over on the couch. I was on I was on a different couch. I couldn't reach him. I was oh. very wet. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, someone just... clip that out of context, please. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Tay and I stream uh, once a week uh, at Taymation Studios, uh, twitch.tv slash Taymation Studios. Uh, feel free to, to stop by if you if you enjoyed. Um, I guess I, I needed to actually complete that plug. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, you've said, I mean, you've said everything that I need to say. So really, all, the, all, that's, all that's left to be done is to just end the podcast. <laughs> I stole your wrap up. Ha 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 ha. But well, I do have the last laugh because I get to say I'm fantastic, Mr. Ferret, and I've been here with Badger Waffles. I don't remember what I said, Taymation. <laughs> Topos, Bunts, and Bean. One fat, this... one short, one lean. <laughs> <laughs> and this has been Film Freaks with a Z. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Be sure to clean your ass. Yeah, don't Bye. forget to clean your ass.